When you have to abide by MLS's weird roster rules when you don't even go there. No. <laughs> it's not so MLS. Uh, North American uh, Soccer Podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. Hello. You can find us at thatsomls.com and uh, on Apple Podcasts and elsewhere. Nick, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm ready to talk some soccer. It feels like it's been a month since we did one of these. But, uh, it's, in fact, only been two weeks. And you, uh, you, you're you're loaded up on caffeine. You're telling me, are you are you doing that Diana Spria uh, cartwheel? Only in my heart right now. Uh, <laughs> so, some context here is I haven't had much. I haven't been able to drink coffee for about a year, and I'm back on it. Mm. And life is good again, and I can. It's like color has come back into my life. Also, I've been doing a lot of goalkeeping. And so really? there's this weird adrenaline that comes from not having a lot to do for most of a game that I don't quite know what to do with, and I've been loading caffeine on top of that. So, yeah. I'm, Is it because <laughs> I'm like, when you're running, when you're run, like when you're running around, if you're like you know being a defender, you know mm-hmm. you are exercising your body, but you've got to be mentally on all the time. That's the thing, right? Is that like even if you're called into action a lot in a goalkeeper, which, I mean, in an ideal situation, you're not having to do a, a ton during a game. Um, it is, you're pumped full of adrenaline trying to keep your senses as sharp as possible for an entire game. So, of course, the level I play at, you you sub on and off all the time, so you get little breathers, and, um, you know, depending on your position, you don't need to be fully switched on. But as a goalkeeper, you really are watching every single aspect of the game and ready to, like, be called into action at any point, which you know is going to be, like, a split second of movement. So you're actually kind of, like, on your toes the whole time. So even if you don't have a lot to do, that energy doesn't have anywhere to go. (laughs) (laughs) Throw some coffee on top of it, and you are ready to talk about soccer. Well, yeah, absolutely. Bring that energy here. This Uh, could get weird. We're all for it. Um, One of the biggest news, one of the the items that, that... Almost didn't seem uh, like anything the last time we spoke, but uh, but popped off real quick. And I think it's almost one of the big is it could be one of the big stories of the off season. Mm-hmm. Is Sebastian Javinko has left TFC for um, an undisclosed fee to Al Halal uh, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, he's gone. The 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 sort of the the most iconic yeah. Toronto FC player. Uh, uh, Atomic Ant is out. He's gone. It's there's a there's a lot of play here um, because he sort of he was with the camp. Uh, he had been absent from the camp. There was many rumors uh, as to what country he was and was not in, and whether or not a, an author, an offer was or was not made. Um, he got onto Instagram and said that he would have, you know, taken a, a, a pay cut to be with the club and, and the club made him a, a disrespectful offer. The club say that they definitely never got any sense that he was willing to take a pay cut. Um, what do you what do you make of, of how things unraveled here? It's an unfortunate bit of mess. Um, I think you know, fans are always going to blame the front office for not handling things correctly, and maybe a certain amount of that is is true. Um, obviously, not having a backstage pass to those conversations, I can't really come out and say whose fault it is. Gio Vinco certainly seemed hell bent on burning the ships as he or burning the bridges and the ships, I suppose, as he yeah. left um, with all but the supporters. Which I think is a little unfair. I don't know quite what it achieves at that point, rather than to just say thanks to the fans, thanks to the city, you know, and maybe, you know, too bad we couldn't have had one more year or something, but sort of leave it vague. I don't really get what he accomplishes by saying that it's all the front office's fault and it's not him. Um, I mean, it's not like he's going to be coming back to TFC anytime soon, or you know, this is his definite retirement club. At the same time, uh, I I forget who, but there was conversation recently, and I think it was about Giovinco as well, is that, like, a club has to do right by their player. No, it wasn't about Giovinco. It was about someone else. Anyway, 
um, that players at this age who are getting close to retirement um, need to look abroad. And, and yeah, it's all well and fine to say, well, it's an older player, they should take a, a pay cut. But when you're in your twilight years and you haven't necessarily been making... I mean, Giovinco still, by international standards, was not making a king's ransom in salary. No. Um, you need to try to squeeze out every last dollar in your remaining years. And I actually, I kind of, I side with the players yeah. on that on that side that it's it's all well and good to look down your nose and say, oh, well, they're going to this Saudi team or this a Chinese team to, to make all this money. But, you know, it, again, if your career is only 15 years long, if you're lucky... Uh, you need to, again, get as much money as you can and as many final endorsement deals as you can to, to make that money stretch. So I don't really blame the players for making that decision. I just think it gets awfully messy when you start firing shots as you're leaving a club. I think the issue with with Javinko, and, and all parties are trying to manage this, is the relationship with the fans and, and what he means to the fans. Mm. And I think from Javinko's perspective... Um, what he gains, if anything, by making that post is is to at least appear, at least appear to to make some sort of statement like I I didn't want to go. Um, right. It, it's tough when you are saying like I want to be paid every amount that I want to be paid, but there was no. Hmm, it's like you know the 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 path that the, sort of the Kai Kamara transfer made, where mm-hmm. like nobody was under any. Um, nobody was under any sort of disillusion at the expansion draft that Kai Kamara was going to be there. Like, like mm-hmm. they'd already made the announcement. It already happened. Um, and the, I feel like that's sort of what, like, like there was no sort of cheats for a goodbye. So it's almost like Javinko trying to sort of wave his hands to the, to the fans. Cause, cause if you get caught up in the stats of what's a striker's production at, 32, 33, 34, when, when somebody gets locked into a deal. The, it, and look past that to star power of this is like one of your team's defining players. This is one of the league's defining players. This is somebody that people know. Um, I feel like you've got you, you've to try and at least have a little bit better of a strategy than this, um, especially coming off of such a rough season. Yeah, and I mean, I guess for the front office's part, it's just one of those things where it seemed like they were taken off guard by this move, which seems a little bit surprising that they're relatively late into the game now, and two of their best players have gone. And really, outside... I mean, they've really made no demonstrable moves towards rebuilding a squad and now they have these two major holes in the spine of the team to fill that just sort of feels like well if they really were they counting on actually keeping Giovinco and if they were how did this all go so south so quickly and so late into the game as well I mean to me this is something that um, probably should have been wrapped up in December so that they could have got the money and made the move. Now, and of course, that's not all on them. It's on the player. It's on the agent. Um, it just seems like not great planning from the club's point of view, regardless of uh, what Giovinco's intentions were. No. And, and, and this is what this is what I'm so interested in in terms of the club's response and what I think they're kind of playing a dangerous game with is that the, the TFC position as Bill Manning has has sort of articulated it, was like, essentially, even if they aren't saying this exactly, like the the read between the lines thing is, is that there's no way he was worth the same money that he was getting. And we, or like there's there's no way that he was worth it. Whatever it is, it's like they, he didn't want to raise... So, so from their perspective, they're they're looking at it, or at least the 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 day of comment that I read in a CP story, um, made it sound like we don't need him. You know, he's he's yeah, at the which, point of decline. We do not need him anymore, and I don't think that's going to bear itself out. 
No, and if that's the case, then again, why not make that bit of business in December? Like, shop mm-hmm. around the player. Um, but now they're in uh, an incredibly sticky situation where they're needing to bring in reinforcements rather quickly. Mm-hmm. And they've let a lot of players go with no... I, I would argue without any real major improvements. And every off-season we we say this, or <laughs> it's only been the two years that we've done it on the podcast, but MLS clubs are under so much pressure to improve their squad. Simply yes. just letting some players go and replacing them like for like actually isn't good enough. And now Toronto's in a, a situation where it really feels like they're in danger of becoming the Toronto of old because there's just not this legacy planning happening when they've basically, they've hitched their horses to the Altidore and Giovinco train and with these older players. And now two of them have left Altidore. If he stays, which I'm assuming he will, we can also safely assume he'll be out for at least six weeks of the season, six to eight weeks at some point with injury because of his age. Um, It's just sort of like, well, what, what was the plan here? Lads, the, and and appara- if, if, if Giovinco wasn't worth it, then why keep him up to this point? Apparently there's a DP coming. Uh, I don't know if they were making those plans before this happened. If they weren't, that's kind of, you know, it doesn't seem like a, it, it's necessarily going to be a well-considered plan. And everybody's going to be looking at that new designated player's age when they come in. Well, and right now it's sounding like uh, Terrence Boyd. Coming Boyd is in. Oh, Boyd is in. That's Boyd is in, but that's not he's not the DP. Oh. I don't think that he's supposed to be the replacement. Although maybe maybe the thing I've read in articles that there's a DP oh, coming. Oh, I see, I see. Okay, I, think I misread a thing here. Yeah, he's they're close to acquiring a DP, but it's not Boyd. Terrence Boyd, who is one of the sort of like um, Jurgen Klinsmann era um, MLS or, or sorry, a U.S. Men's National Team players mm-hmm. that was uh, that's a German American. Um, but didn't kind of didn't kind of stick in the in the men's national team um, and, and sort of bounce back around the the, the Bundesliga and two Bundesliga. Uh, he will be on his way. I mean, a, the, that's a fine uh, pickup, a, a, a name player with a chance to redeem themselves. Um, I think that it's funny that you mentioned this this sort of like lurching um, the demon of of like the past of the club that that you know people are worried could could retake it at any time um and and that's definitely a factor and they definitely have to have a we we identified that they didn't have a plan when they weren't their old like you know sort of the the, the championship style TFC like when they when they had to have like sort of alternate Setups, they they faltered and they didn't seem yeah. like they had a second plan. So it's interesting to know what that second setup that's going to be successful is going to be. I think that this um, comes down to a complaint that you have had for a long time, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I think it started to come to roost is the lack of investment in younger players. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no, there's some academy. You know, it's not like there's no academy talent coming from from TFC two, um, but you know if you've seen clubs manage moments like Simon Collin coming to sub in for Alfonso Davies, there is no you know player on the uh, there's no like young player on the roster that's kind of like that. I don't think not anymore because those players have been sold to other clubs. They've been let go. And so I I would argue that keeping you know somebody like Raheem Edwards to develop at the club was probably you know that that's why you keep players like that even though they're they're not necessarily going to get a ton of minutes right away or they're not going to be your star striker but it means that when you have players leave you've got other players coming up through the ranks who at least can challenge for minutes so that you bring in more signings, but you've already got younger players challenging those signings. I mean, it's ultimately MLS clubs need to have depth. I mean, it's an incredibly obvious thing to say, and that's where Toronto faltered. And when we talk about the the championship Toronto, of course, we're talking about a club that existed for about a year and a half in that form of just lights out, impossible to beat, running over teams. 
Mm -hmm. And I think it's easy to forget how tenuous um, and just how special that group of players was, but they lost a lot of core pieces of that. And to think that, you know, Bradley and Altidore are going to carry it on their backs, don't get me wrong, I think they'll do their part. Um, But certainly we've already seen in preseason form, they're not looking too good. (laughs) And now they've got these major holes to fill. So yeah, this is why you develop young players, is to to push for spots. They got a 19-year-old forward, Ayo Akinola, who who got four games uh, in an assist last year. They got uh, Griffin Dorsey, who I believe they drafted this year. No, mm-hmm. or, um, it's not saying what his what his draft number was on his player page, but um, they got some they got some folks. the 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 number is not known what they got back from Al Halal. Um, the, uh, the the rumor I think is about three million, two to three million. I heard. I heard that um, Paul Tenorio the Athletic thinks it's a little higher than that. That's literally what he said in the article. I think it's a little higher than that. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, now, what's interesting when you think of that is when you it, again, it comes down to this evaluation of of Javinko That I don't know. Maybe he's not worth. Well, he is worth money to some club somewhere in the in the world, but you know. You, the, another big de- uh, deal that took place in, in this transfer window or did not take place was Luciano Acosta uh, his transfer mm. saga between DC United and PSG and essentially my understanding of this again from a Tenorio piece in the in the uh, Athletic um, is that they were about four to six million dollars apart Um which is like the entirety of of this Javico deal, you know? Like they wouldn't let they wouldn't let him go. They wouldn't let Luciano Acosta go for for nine million. And it's like you got to think Acosta Acosta is really good, and, and you would probably want to have Acosta right now over Javinko. But I would you've got to think that Javinko is worth more to Toronto than Acosta is worth to DC. It's a good point apart from the player's age. Like, I definitely see what you're saying. I mean, I think that if you want to talk about a club handling a situation well, I think DC handled the Acosta thing incredibly well because I think they made their intentions known to the player. Obviously, he was uh, disappointed to not be going to such a major club. And the club was very transparent about the fact that they knew he was disappointed um, but the number was just too off, and he was too valuable of a player, which allowed Acosta to kind of turn around and say, like, yeah, like, it was a nice dream for a bit, but I'm going to head back to camp, and I'm going to focus on having a great season with DC. And that's what you want with your players, right, is is you want to do right by them, but you also, it has to be a fair deal. Um so on the DC side of things, it's un- unfortunate for the player to not get that opportunity, but I think it was smart of them to hold on to him. He's definitely worth more than that to to the club. Uh-huh. And because it, it becomes that thing, too, of it's easy to just overnight want to talk about MLS as a selling league and undervalue our players. But for clubs like DC that are trying to build something, you've got a young player that they brought in for, I mean, they invested a lot of money in, they want to be able to reap some of the rewards from it and to just, mm-hmm. as soon as he does well, turn around and sell him for kind of like a, not a bargain basement price, but certainly not fully what he's worth just isn't, doesn't make good business sense for them. The, the, the funny little detail uh, in that story was apparently part of the issue negotiation wise is they made contact initially through an intermediary that definitely told DC they were going to be able to get it done for, uh, or they were, they told the TFC, oh yeah, definitely, or DC definitely, uh, 15 million. And then they get to, they send people to Paris, including Acosta, and PSG tells them that this intermediary, intermediary was not as, empowered an intermediary as that person made themselves out to be do you ever feel like agents aren't good people like just in any <laughs> industry uh, 
Uh, yeah, you know, when you're meant to be a negotiator between two sides, uh, playing both sides doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. I don't know that even that was the player's agent. It was somebody that said that they were they were a PSG. They were, you know, empowered oh, to talk right. on behalf of PSG. Right, so, some, some lackey from the club. So DC came... D, this this article posits the idea that DC went to Paris. Sure, they were going to get 15. Um, Paris was not really that interested in going any further than nine. And, and even though DC understood that, you know, the person that they were dealing with, you know, they is, you know, they, they weren't speaking to the manager, I guess. Um, they wanted something a little more than nine because they thought they were going to get something more than nine and then no deal got done. And frankly, he's worth more than nine. Like 15 to me sounds about right. I'd say like maybe as low as 13, 12 and some bonuses, but mm-hmm. nine million because I go, who do you get with MLS experience that can replace Acosta uh, for nine million? You can't. So it doesn't make any sense to do that deal. He's not on that... I mean, he's sure, he's on a, a high wage for the team, but it's not like he's breaking the bank for them. So they're not in a position where they have to sell the player. You had a lot of uh, other stuff going on around the, the, the transfer window. Uh, a prospect from FC Dallas, Chris Richard, went to uh, Bayern Munich. Um, and the, uh, the big news was that Miguel, Miguel Almiron uh, has gone to Newcastle United. Yeah, it was almost a, a day there where um, within sort of a 48-hour period, Giovinco, Acosta, and Almiron were all out of the league, three of the league's best players. Um, of course, the Acosta deal didn't go through, but the Almiron deal did. With the deal that seemed like it was never going to happen, uh, Newcastle snapped him up, and now the rec- the new record for MLS signing, I believe the figure might go as high as $27 million when all is said and done. What are you just relieved that the deal is done and we don't have to talk about it anymore? Are you sad to see such a, a incredible midfield presence, a creative presence from MLS go? <laughs> How do you place this uh, this storyline? I feel like we've been talking. First of all, I feel like you know the it's as much as you don't want to be seen as a selling league or a league that is not. Um, good enough to keep these players or, or, or any other thing. I think that this, and, and certainly how the Almiron transfer winds up will be uh, instrumental in, in increasing the profile of the league. Because there was that like awful, some pundit that was like, I've never heard of him. I don't rate this transfer. Who knows who this guy is? And it's like, well, I've never heard of you. Uh, this, well, uh, wasn't it the didn't the Newcastle manager say something to the same effect too of like he'd never heard of Almiron until he like sort of he came on the radar of the the scouts or something yeah. I don't think it was I mean I, I, I also loved how irate Atlanta fans got where I was like well your club <laughs> has only existed in the world for two years so let's maybe <laughs> chill take a slight step back uh, let's get off our high horse a little bit but still I think it's good um, you look at, it, it, it's good that, you know, all of a sudden, uh, these three teams or the, uh, two of these teams, uh, three teams or however many big European sides are signing are talking about on the last all of a sudden, I think it, in terms of like, does it feel like it's weird that there's a want away? It was far more harmful that we were talking about Almiron about to leave, like, every day for two years. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> At least this time there were clubs actually flying him in in the helicopter and getting the pocketbook out, so... Yeah, like, I, we... I agree. The com- the fact that this has been a conversation since he stepped foot in the league has been a bit of a distraction. I mean, obviously it's... not for him, because he's performed, but... There's a, there's a there's a restaurant in town that I love that has a that's has a great deal on you know three course meals on on Tuesday where you can and I where you get in there and you think there's no way I make enough money to eat here somebody is gonna tell bust in the door and tell me you can't afford to eat here and it was nice but it also reinforced that I couldn't afford to eat there 
And I feel like that was what the experience of watching Miguel Almiron thinking, we can't afford this player. Yeah, well, it turns out we couldn't. <laughs> um, which is not to say that it was, you know, bad. He he was he was a great influence on on sort of the the first draft of Atlanta United. He 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 paid off. He got the trophy, and now he's on to uh, bigger and better things. Oh, well, I don't know better. Uh, he's on well, to Newcastle. He's on to Newcastle. <laughs> It was tough because I was thinking, you know, I want to see, I want to see, you know, a suggestion that that somebody that's so good from MLS can go be good in, in the Premier League. But then my Premier League side is Spurs, and that was this first game. And so then all of a sudden I was like, wait, no, I take that back. Do not score. Oh, did he play already? I somehow missed all that. I thought he made his debut against Spurs, but I no, I had he heard him in the uh, I had heard him in the announcing. Uh, for that game, but I'm not sure. Uh, the other was there any other big thing? Any other big outgoing moves um, before the, the the European window closed uh, at the end of January? I don't think so. I'm trying to recall now. There's been some. There's been some incoming. Um, there's been a flood of new players. I, I wouldn't say any that are like huge of of massive profile. And of course, right excuse now we're, me. We're also okay. Who needs Miguel Helmeron when you've got Florentine Pogba? When you've got little Pogba. Or is he big Pogba? I forget. Is he the older brother? He's the brother? older brother. He's the older brother, yes. He's 28. Big Pogba. 28-year-old center back. Um, was sure. playing for Saint-Etienne in France. Yeah. Good signing. Love it. Love it when uh, league moves are spoiled by, player, by uh, other players' Snapchats. I missed that one. It was illuminate it, me before before anyone announced this deal. Paul Pogba posted on Snapchat, "So proud of my bro signing for Atlanta United." Nice, <laughs> nice. So 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 pro uh, pro soccer reporter Paul Pogba with the big Can scoop. I just say though, how great it is that we live in an era now where in MLS. Remember even like two years ago, you're trying to find out any whiff of a rumor where you're just like, literally at this point, it could be like the sun. Just make it up. But give <laughs> me something to chew on in the off season because you could find out nothing. And mm. now it's like the second a player is like, I don't know, I might leave. They're, like their whole family is tweeting about it. Um, there's storylines everywhere. There's Snapchats. There's Instagram posts. Yep. It's incredible that now we like uh, – there's been a handful of players now where like they've done the announcement before the ink is even dry on the deal. Mm. It's fantastic. The uh, Real Salt Lake got a, a, a DP striker, uh, Sam Johnson, who is Liberian from and was playing for Valarenga in Norway. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's on his way. Uh, New York City um, broke their signing record to get Alexandra Mitrita. Mitrita. Um, from uh, Universitai Cray or something. I'm not sure. I've never heard of that one, but uh, but he's there, sort of hope uh, to be a, a new star in the wake of the departure of some of their others uh, of, of of Via, who was mm-hmm. hanging around as Vissel Kobe did a tour in the U.S. Uh, just recently. So he was he was popping around and getting selfies with the Zlatans of the world. Yeah, Iniesta as well with the Sim Club. Um, the Montreal Impact signed uh, Zachary Braugiard from Lyon, who is a Canadian. Uh, he's mm-hmm. on loan. Um, another sort of quiet but really strong. Um, uh, another st- strong set of um, of signings that Montreal is making. I feel like they're gonna they're gonna have a strong year. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought about doing this thing where we, you know, we'd kind of rate each team or, like, pick our, I don't know, like, our top three and our bottom three teams in terms of just off-season moves. But, I mean, I think it's safe to say that Montreal is very quietly, and I guess not so quietly, put together a pretty strong off-season move. And, again, they've been doing this thing where they're not making huge big-name signings, but they're signing the right types of players that fit their profile and um, 
I I agree. I think they're they're they have a very strong squad and a lot of depth as well. So it'll be exciting to see if they can just continue the momentum that they've had. That's kind of been a slow and steady climb, but that's not necessarily a, a bad thing in MLS. Um, the Whitecaps have signed a designated player, uh, Wang Mbom, who is a uh, a twenty two year old uh, mid twenty uh, two year old South Korean midfielder, comes from Daejeon Citizen FC, um, and uh, that could be interesting. The club is certainly uh, piling; uh, it was certainly hyping him up, uh, and it seems there are a lot of players that that are coming in this year that, that I'm not that familiar with. Uh, but the, the, the promotion and, and the, the, the highlights of, of this player do seem, um, a cut above. Absolutely. I think even just, I mean, first of all, if you can get MLSsoccer.com to talk about any white cap signing coming in and they're even, they're like, Oh, hang on a minute. Really? They landed <laughs> this guy. Um, I think that's a good sign. Uh, and many players ranking him extremely high. Um, some even saying he's they consider him one of the top three players from Asia right now, which is mm-hmm. lofty praise indeed. I I like MDS's uh, sort of measured praise of the players. He's incredibly technical. He's incredibly skilled. But of course, he's coming over to an entirely new culture, an entirely new league. Uh, a much more physical league, and he's only 22, so he's got room to grow. But I like this idea of what, as well of signing a player that has uh, a high ceiling for improvement, probably can come in and make a big impact. But at the same time, you know, he may not be our every week we're say, seeing him play 90 minutes player just yet, and and I think that's fine. Those are the kinds of signings you want to be making where. Yes, you want them to come in and have an immediate impact, but also there's room for growth. That they're not just signing a player to come in, have an impact for a year, and then turn around and sell them, as the Whitecaps have been doing for the most part. Um, but actually, see, it, it's exciting to think of if this is a player we can keep until he's 25, 26, entering his prime. We're getting him for a good deal now, and and we he can come in, have an impact on the team, raise up everybody. And then hopefully in three, four years' time, we can turn around and, and sell him for a tidy sum, which is becoming sort of the MLS model. Hey, I mean, like, the, what's what's great about, you know, that model, I guess, as, as sort of, you know, worked on by Atlanta is there are still so many deals all around the world, right? Like, you, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful, you know, compared to other sports, like how big the soccer universe is. Yeah. And are the the media lenses that we use to consume it um, sometimes obscure us from from seeing you know sure things that we don't know are sure things until they happen to us and and it's wonderful to get those kinds of little surprises. Absolutely, and you know I'll say it all with the, of course we want to have the measured approach here. We don't know how all these players will shake out from any club. Uh, but one of the exciting things about MLS still is, I mean, two years ago, nobody knew who Almiron was. And now the hype train can, uh, can take can, a look at me now. Can go up again. Um, the, uh, the, the big thing that I noticed this week, as I tweeted in, uh, and it only got worse. F Ryan Juarez, who previously, just after, just after the episode came out, you texted me that. The club did not know where he was, mm-hmm. uh, despite rumors that at some point in this offseason that he might get a, a, a contract deal. Um, they severed their relationship by unanimous, uh, by mutual consent. Um, I think that that was uh, going to be a tough thing to make work. They, the club have decided they're going to make, you know, players like they're going to make the they're going to try and make Felipe work. They're going to try and make Daniel Henry work. Uh, but after how things went at the end of the season and, and in the middle of the season, I can't imagine how they were going to do that. Um, it, I mean, we all know how I feel about Juarez, but, um, even the fact that like, okay, mutually agreeing to part ways, we all know that means they bought out his contract. So we've just paid through the nose for a player that will never step foot on, uh, Whitecaps pitch again and was even apparently banned from the training facilities uh, in the preseason. 
Um, I still think it's a deal. Whatever we needed to do to get out of that contract, this is a player for the last 16 matches, basically was an expensive bench warmer. He was never going to play many MLS minutes. He was out of favor even with the last coach. There was really no way in for him. I mean, when Mark Dos Santos is talking about intensity, if for Car- if Carl Robinson's word was fantastic, MDS's word is intensity. intensity. Juarez is not exactly a player that brings intensity unless it's him making a rash decision and getting sent off. Um, it, it's unfortunate it didn't work out, and the responsibility lies solely on the shoulders of the player for, I think, just thinking it was going to be a much easier task than it was and really not having his head right of how he could contribute and certainly didn't do himself any favors while he was here. So uh, thank goodness that saga is over. It sucks to to have to pay to have a player leave. But, I mean, it was hard to see where he would have fit in with the team, even being incredibly generous as to his ability if there was a major turnaround just didn't seem like a player that was ever going to really have a place on the roster and and we talk about you know uh, about quiet changes and i think that one thing we've always known that there was going to be upheaval but the thing that i noticed at that point is that uh you know juarez was was a key figure getting sent off in in the whitecaps worst loss uh, of all time, the 6 nothing defeat to, to Sporting Kansas City. And his departure meant that there were only four players in the 18 from a game that took place nine months ago. Which, uh, I believe now with the parting of Marcel de Jong, if I'm not mistaken, makes it three. Or was it Brett Levi's who played in that game? No, it was de Jong, and it, and it is three now. Uh, and it, the funny and part is... there were three. That happened. The, the remaining three are uh, are Felipe, Reina, and Tiber. Yeah. Um, what happened was, as well, is that some of the first, you know, uh, the first Whitecaps training camp lineups uh, were were sent out for a, a blue versus green game, and people noticed. Hey, I don't see Marcel De Jong on there, and little do you know it. Uh, very soon after that, you get, uh, you know, I got the email. He also parted via uh, via mutual consent, and I always thought that he was never, you know, when they when they were acquired when they acquired him, he's he's ably played his role. Um, yeah. with some people that you know, much different than than that scenario with with some people that have left. It's like it's hard to on one hand, it's hard to imagine sort of what you gain by letting that player go, and and. It's just depending on how things go with this new team. I guess if there's winning, it's going to be fine. But you know, I think you were talking to me about a, a little bit. Is it we're not going to know a lot of these players yeah. that take that? You know, what's a what is a team? Um, and now it's down to three players, four players. That 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 a little a little bit more than that. But it's like like. I'm honestly worried about how I'm going to talk about this team because I have so much learning to do in terms of just keeping track of the names, let alone remembering who plays in what position, where they came from, what it is we're hoping that they're going to do. I feel like I'm coming into this like following a new MLS club, basically, being like, is Tybert playing? Is he on? Because I don't know anyone else. There was a rumor um, that we are going to see a... A familiar face. A familiar face return. Uh, it's the Glass City Twitter account again, um, which is which has come up once or twice. Um, the uh, and the the words that you hear sort of banded around Twitter are Freddie Montero, um, mm-hmm. who went to Portugal and I think ended up at Sporting Kansas City. Is that true? Um, or is he still? No. Was he still in? Is he still in Portugal? He's still in Portugal. However, he has stated this would probably be his last season. Um, also, as we are recording this, just before we went on the air, TSN Radio Vancouver uh, quoted Mark Dos Santos as saying, we're definitely looking at two forwards, not looking, pretty much finalizing two forwards. One of them's going to have MLS experience. The other one is going to be a new face. So, of course, everybody's saying, well, 
It's probably not Octavio Rivero. <laughs> Did he say MLS experience the, or Caps experience? Or, or is this... To have MLS experience. So, again, that's a pretty wide net. Yeah. Um, it does but working on the rumor that it's a, a former white cap. It does seem to, like, we... Montero left on good terms. We couldn't finalize a, uh, a, a, a buy option for him from Sporting CP from... Or Sporting Lisbon. His, his Portuguese club that we loaned him from. You have to think that with a bit of Alfonso Davies cash um, and a year gone by, maybe that that figure has dropped and our ability to spend has gone up. So that's certainly a possibility. There were some folks throwing around the C word, but I think that's just being uh, a little... Uh, trying, to, trying to cause agitation primarily amongst people like me. I don't think Camilo Sanvenzo is going to be making his Whitecaps return. I think the door might be shut on that one. Well, let's let's uh, to, to to address Montero for a second. If we're if you're talking about players, if you're talking about trying to buy out a player that is 31, 32, and and, and TFC is seemingly like free to just let a thirty one year old, thirty two year old legendary striker just wander off mm-hmm. uh, if they so desire to do so. Um, that's a little strange. If you're looking to build a new identity, and, and Dos Santos talks so much about identity, and there's so little in the way of identity for the Whitecaps, um, the the past of Montero is something that was a real problem for people uh, when, when he was with the team for the first time. I would love it. And, and since then, the Whitecaps have had a lot of issues with... Mm-hmm. With you know personality and, and uh, what we're talking about is a is a sexual assault uh, charge that was dropped. Um, in terms of Montero, I would love to not have to like think about that. Like I would love yeah. to not have the team yet again put a player on the field that you have to really think about the the sort of ethics of getting behind and supporting. Um, mm-hmm. The, uh, so there's, but you are correct that he did leave on good terms. Um, the Camilo issue is interesting. And let's just, you know, I don't know that we've told the Camilo story, uh, in the, in, in, in the time that we've been here. So, so let's just, we've, we've touched on it before, but he was a, he was an early era striker for the Whitecaps that, that scored a lot of goals. Won the um, golden boot. Won the golden boot. Uh, and was pictured, Was there was an announcement made that he had signed, was in Mexico, um, was pictured holding the jersey. Uh, and, and this was all before anybody at the Whitecaps had knew that he intended to leave because... Of out of a out of a concern over club player options, which is where the club unilaterally decides to extend the contract, uh, or has an, a unilateral option to extend the contract without negotiation, um, and rather than sort of defend that in court, they 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 reached a settlement that would allow him to go to Mexico. Um, that hurt a lot of people's feelings. <laughs> sure did. I was also say that, that like in terms of white caps lore. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure some of the supporters will correct me on this, but it really seemed to be at least the souring of the the beginning of the real souring between the front office and uh, some of the fan groups that never seemed to, to really heal. I know the supporters have made strides to, to, to try to get things to a better place, but that seemed to really put a rift between supporters in the front office that uh, they seem seemingly just could not... A, keep track of their player, or uh, B, sort of mishandled it so that the player wanted to leave. However, it all shook out, but certainly left a bitter taste in many people's mouths towards the player and the club, that it was just, ultimately, regardless of how you feel about it, it just, nobody won in that situation. Um, Camilo has since stayed at Carotero, continues to score many goals there, seems quite happy. Um, And that's the wound that never quite healed so if you're not familiar with the white caps or you're a newer white caps fan 
the reason why there's so much animosity and people chomping at the bit to to sign a striker, it's because we uh, once upon a time had one, a golden boot. <laughs> one, in fact, but you have to think had we been able to keep for at least another year or two, really could have meant the Whitecaps maybe did go further in the playoffs and do all the great things that we'd hoped that they would do. And all we've been able to do is sign a striker for a year at a time since. Yep. It's there, there. That's the, when you talk about sort of like the, the original rift is that there has been no, you know, you, you, you know, the, the club has tried to, to attach itself to Kamara who left and Montero who left. Those went pretty well, but then like, you know, Octavio Rivero who scored was something like six and seven and then like two and 20. Yeah. And since <laughs> whatever it was. Scored, scored a bucket load of goals in Chile. It's the, the, there hasn't been, there hasn't been something, you know, it's, it's, it's been tough to find something as good since. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, to see what develops. It, you know, having a face return certainly does address that issue of identity that I discussed. But, you know, we've talked before about how good, you know, they had it with Kai Kamara. And I don't know, I don't know who you would have gotten that's better than that in terms of, in terms of goodwill and continuity. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, it seems like Montero's the, the likelier option there. I just, I have the, I have a, the inescapable feeling, and of course it depends who this other hypothetical striker might be, that we just keep doing the same thing regardless of who's at the helm of the club, or we're signing a striker who's between 30 and 33 years old, who's going to come in for a year, be successful, and then they're going to move on. And it would just be really great to think that we could have a player that at least might stick around for a couple of years in that position. Mm. And part of me worries too that there's just not always the the faith awarded to them to to see them stick around. That um, I'm not saying necessarily that selling Rivero or Masato Kudo were bad decisions. It's just that it seemed like if a player really couldn't be electric in a year, we were done with them. Period, and we just moved on. And then we tried again the next year with a different experiment and. You know, sometimes it's like, well, why not keep one for depth? Yes, it's expensive, but are you able to to carry a striker that is maybe a little older and might take a another season to to fall into form, rather than just say, okay, well, it's been nine months, you didn't achieve what we'd hoped, so you're out the door. Well, I really think, and in, in who knows what we're going to get in terms of strategy at this point. Just even the idea of talking about two strikers is a positive in terms of. In terms of, you know, we've talked before about the Whitecaps having a problem with having a long-time strategy of sending a single striker to the moon and then sort of throwing their hands up and saying, how come How come that didn't work? Uh, and doing it over and over. Yeah. Um, but we'll see We'll see where that goes. Um, what was the... Did I have anything else with the Whitecaps? Uh, no. Oh. Oh, oh, uh, De Jong, uh, um, Marcel De Jong might go to Campiel Pacific FC. Yes. Um, did the Ico Para thing, did that happen last episode or is that... I don't think we episode? talked about that. Uh... I, don't think we, I don't think we did talk about Ico Para, the storied center back of MLS, the stalwart. Mm-hmm. Minnesota United decided to throw all their eggs into the Ico Para basket and spend a crap load of money to bring him in. Good idea? Uh, uh, no, although it's great. Actually, no, uh, he's, he's, uh, in terms of, you know, Kansas City letting him go. I think he's great. Um, Montreal have, or sorry, Minnesota have had issues defensively, and why not bring one of the <laughs> key defensive people in? Like, simultaneously the most obvious yet most understated thing you could say about Minnesota. Yeah. Um, They've had issues defensively. I think they're gonna, they're they're going to be the ones that they're going to be a, a club that hopefully put on us that, that hopefully leave a different taste to people's mouths. Um, 
that, that, that are able to sort of put a different foot forward this year. People were arguing that they're overspending on an older center back and, and knowing the Ikes picked up some injuries in the last couple of years that can keep them out of action. But I think purely for leadership reasons and um, identity reasons of built, Minnesota's just so struggled and it, they've got this amazing fan base and seem to come in with so much fanfare and just have fell on their face out of the starting gate and have never quite recovered. They've always looked like a team that's been playing on their knees. Uh, I think that it makes sense from a club identity perspective to bring in a player like Aikopara to leave a bit of a lasting legacy and say, at the end of the day, like he, he's going to be able to run the back line a little bit better and organize. Did they overpay? Probably a little bit. However, it's somewhat rewarding to see in a club that so often undervalues defenders, regardless of how old they are, that a club is willing to invest this type of money in a good, proper, tested center back, mm-hmm. even though he's a little older. In um, a league, in a league that doesn't support it, yes. In a league that basically is always looking to, to spend the least amount of as they can on defenders, I, I think is a smart move. Is it going to mean that they make the playoffs? Is it going to make them a really difficult team to beat? Probably not this year. Uh, however, to try to start building the right thing at the club, I think it, it makes a lot of sense and is a smart move for them. One thing that, uh, one little item that, that that tripped my weird wire, and I don't know if anybody's talked about this, but uh, I guess the, uh, the Galaxy signed a player called Uriel Antunia, Antuna. From Manchester City on loan. Okay. Uh, how, first of all, uh, how is Manchester City looking to loan out players? It doesn't go to their own, uh, their own sort of uh, affiliate club. Secondly, how can a club that owns an MLS club loan a player to a different MLS club? <laughs> like... Like, what's the, is, is there any, there, there should be, I think, in, in my eyes, some sort of, um, some sort of wall there that, that prevents the player from, from appearing against, uh, New York City because all of the, all of the usual protections for loan players, um, aren't really, you know, set up to, to, fit these these weird multi-level uh multi-level club arrangements that being said can anybody really claim to understand how this weird space agreement works i mean this thing is more complicated than league of nations set up like <laughs> <laughs> I, get, I get what you're saying but uh at the same time yeah, exactly. Like, who who of us really pre- pretends to understand how all of this works out? I mean, in the sign-in to the show, you were alluding to the whole thing that went down with the USL affiliate, where it's just like, yes. somehow MLS can just kibosh a deal in a different league. Who knows? They're like the mafia. They just, they call the shots. So the weird thing with that was, that was, um, it, that was a weirdness involving the, the homegrown rule. So Nashville SC wanted to sign American prospect Andrew Goodman, who was a Chicago Fire Academy product. Uh, the Fire trend tendered him a very low uh, initial offer that allowed them to hold on to his MLS rights. Um, Goodman went to uh, um, Celtic. Celtic wants to loan him to Nashville. Nashville does not want to keep him for MLS. Nashville wants to have him for the last, uh, their last USL season. And the determination there is that the, because MLS did not approve of the transfer because Chicago held his international rights, they weren't able to have him in USL. That's wild to me. My brain hurts. <laughs> Investing overseas is easier than that. <laughs> oh, this league yeah. is so unnecessarily complicated sometimes. Uh, it's like you know that scene in Monty Python's Meaning of Life where 
uh, it's like the John Cleese is the school teacher and, uh, you know, it's like, if you're not getting your hair cut, move your clothes to the lower peg, unless you've got a note and you're attending Sunday's... Ma- like, it's just <laughs> this ever-changing series of rules that is like this domino effect. Like, if you change one minor... Th- oh, but, but because he's a generation, generation Adidas homegrown player, but he still has his rights held by Chicago, even though he's played internationally for six months, but because it's before his 18th birthday... Uh, and one eye is slightly more green than the other. He can't go to now. Na- like it just, I d- can you? And then of course the the kid thinks he's going to the club. The club thinks they're getting the player, and then MLS just comes in and goes, "Oh no, you can't." Like if it was just, where's the chart that says what you can do so that a a club can make approach a player and not get their hopes up and just go like, "Okay, yes, we know we can actually do this." without the the league having to step in at the 11th hour when everybody's like, okay, good, let's do this. Uh, and then, yeah, the league having to step in and say, oh, no, you can't actually do that. Yeah, it seems like there was a... There, this particular player is, was a, a bit of a hash from the league. Another athletic article suggested that, that, you know, the league tried to step in and negotiate a, a higher deal after Chicago failed with the idea that they would flip the player to another team because they didn't want to have another academy player leaving. But then you were in this weird position where the the academy player who's leaving his club didn't want them, but didn't want them bad enough to not... (laughs) to let them go. Like, it sucks. The poor poor player is just like, great, so now Mm. I play nowhere. Um. (laughs) There's a... uh, don't, there was a suggestion that MLS wants to do a, an eight-team cup competition with, with Liga MX. No, don't. We talked about this before when they talked about doing the singles game. The the, the MLS-Mexico uh, competitive balance is not what you think it is. Don't, don't, don't load more games on the schedule. Yeah. It's, it's also not a thing anybody really wants. Like, it's just... Stop making these weird novelty things. I mean, I I get I get the idea and I get that they're trying to raise the profile of the league, but um, there's so many other ways that they could do it that would be make more sense than this. And as you said, like it's already stretched too thin. If we were talking about uh, a league that wasn't stretched across the largest pol- <laughs> geopolitical landscape <laughs> in mm-hmm. the known world, then maybe it might make more sense, but. Uh, it was ridiculous to this is somewhat related I hope you can follow my thought process here um, but I saw the graphic that came out for um, the Canadian Premier League and just it hadn't occurred to me until I saw the graphic that there's no conferences so and it was just yeah. like when you have to trial, travel 5,000 kilometers for your away game and I was like oh damn I, hadn't even, I haven't even considered that how is this like a second tier league going to afford all of these trips and how are clubs going to be able to keep the depth needed to travel, you know, basically to Siberia to play their games. I don't know. I don't know. It's unreal. There's this. So, so they're getting their first match. They don't have a TV league yet deal yet. People are, you know, rumors are swirling. Uh, They don't have a schedule yet, but the, the first game will be April 27th. Uh, in Hamilton between Forge FC and York Nine, they're really betting heavily on the uh, on the sort of GTA area, um, GTHA on that. Uh, although a lot of people have noted frustratingly that it is at like one or two p.m. before a TFC game at four. Mm. So people that would like to be at both of those are going to have some issues doing that. Um, maybe it's a five. I think there's. I looked at the numbers at one point. There was an hour gap between the two games. Mm. And it takes 45 minutes to drive between the two stadiums. So, that one's out. Where can we find you online? You can find me online on Twitter and the Instagram at That's So MLS. Of course, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Also, That's So MLS. That's So MLS.com. Where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Team Bates, www.team-bates.com. 
I am an editor at Howler Magazine at whatahowler.com. Um, and, uh, and yeah, the, the, until next week, don't get sent off. I won't. Although, uh, Calvo just got sent off in his preseason match. Oh, can we, the, the, you know, some things, uh, you know, you can take the, 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 the person out of the city. But you can plug Kendall Austin into FC Cincinnati, and he'll still get sent off in a preseason game. Oh yeah, that happened. <laughs> Good luck, Cincinnati. Good luck. <laughs>